What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to the Pace and Space podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of Kyle Kuzma. I am your host, Calvin, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Leif. Leif, what's going on? Man, I'm doing awesome. How about you? I'm doing good. I can't complain. Took a little hiatus, got some rest. Now we're ready to get back on the pod, talk NBA. Let's do this. So, a lot of news has been going around. There's been some things happening in the NBA since we last spoke. Um, one of the biggest things that's happened is the Memphis Grizzlies have decided to fire their head coach, David Fisdale. And this got some buzz. You know, LeBron, Wade, obviously guys that are fond of him from his time as assistant in, in my, with Miami Heat. They, they seemed, you know, dumbfounded by the firing, not able to understand it. It obviously seems to stem from him having some disagreements with Mark Gasol. But overall, what are your thoughts on this? Did, did the Grizzlies make the right move by firing him at this point? No, they didn't. I just think they went too quickly. And I understand that it's a player's league. But at the same time, you have a coach who's who's played, who's coached well. Yeah, they're going through a, a bad stretch right now. But he did all right last year. I don't think... It was something worth firing him for. I know he wanted to try to keep the locker room together, but it was just too soon. And it's and when you think about it, the Grizzlies have gone through coaches, coach after coach the last several years, and not just getting rid of coaches when they're doing poorly. They're getting rid of coaches after winning seasons. So maybe if they didn't have such a bad record, it'd be one thing, but I'm not a fan of, getting rid of these coaches so quickly. In the case of Dave Fisdale, I still felt like he had more to give. Yeah, I agree. I think it was too soon. I mean, he only coached for like a year and a couple months now for you. And a lot of positive things happened with the Memphis Grizzlies team last year. Um, you know, Mark Gasol adapted and evolved as a, as a three-point shooter. Um, Mike Conley... He became kind of more of the focus of the offense. And then you also got some good uh, good contributions from guys like Jermichael Green and stuff. And all that stuff was happening under under Fisdale. And they were, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a quick process. But slowly but surely, they were kind of becoming this more modern NBA team that had the three-point shooting, that played a, a much more faster tempo offense. And he was he was a part of it. He was the reason he was brought in. And I know him and Marcus Saul seemed to be at odds. I mean, that was that was visualized by him, you know, keeping Gasol on the bench in that game versus the Nets. Mark didn't like it. I kind of I I agreed with Mark with what he said. I mean, he shouldn't be treated that way. I mean, he's clearly the best player on that team especially so without Mike Conley due to injury. And, I, you know, if you're Fisdale, it's kind of hard to justify saying your best chance of winning that game is without your best player. Having said that, I don't – I mean, I don't know. We don't know. We're not behind closed doors. We don't know how bad it got in the locker room. But seeing how this was kind of the first time it came out to the public – I'm not really sure if it was at a point where it was in, irreconcilable and they had to part ways with one or the other. Um, if that it was the case, then hey, I guess you got to choose with you got to decide if you're going to stick with the coach or the player. But like you said, the the Grizzlies they don't have a great track record. They fired Lionel Hollins after a winning season. They fired Dave Yeager after a winning season, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. and now you got this other good coach, a, a coach a lot of people around the NBA, in the media, on other teams, have nothing but good things to say about. You fired this guy too. And, you know, who's your option now for head coach moving forward long term? Right? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who would want to go over to Memphis. I mean, Memphis to me already has their problems, so... I don't know. I mean, you got to talk about a franchise that's only been in existence for, what, 22, 23 years, and they're already on their 13th coach. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's not good. Um, this current owner has been the owner for a lot of those firings, too. So, and, you know, you also got to look at the front office, um, Chris Wallace, all of those guys. He's been in, he's been there for a long time. I mean, I talk about Del Demps in New Orleans, but he, he's been there, I think, even longer than Demps has been with the Pelicans. He has had a better track record, though, to be sure. I mean, they have had consistent playoff success. And even before Conley got hurt, they were looking like they were going to, you know, be a, you know, somewhere between six to eight seed in the West again. And, you know, some people might say, well, what's the point in that? Well, if you're Memphis, there's a lot more good reasons to be sixth to eighth seed in the West than to tank and rebuild, especially when you're in a part of the country where if you're not winning, fans are going to check out. Right, they're going to check out. But then here's something else I have to say about Memphis. I don't even think Memphis, as a as a constructed team right now, is where they need to be. And I know a lot of people are going to look at Marco Saul as like he's the best player on the team, and and rightly so. He might be the best player on the team, but this is a team that's kind of got long in the tooth a little bit. And this is a team when you look at them, they don't look good on paper. You have. Marcus all and all his inefficiencies you have Conley and all his inefficiencies and now you're gonna say all right Here we go. We're gonna fire the coach to me. The coach isn't the biggest problem with this team It isn't a team is poorly constructed. It has a lot of holes plus the team was a lot of players on the team have been injured We talked about Conley already be injured. We already talked about green has been injured right Parsons Parsons Whoever, I mean, Parsons not doing anything, but he's hurt. I mean, even when he's healthy, he's hurt now, so. Yeah, so you got all these guys on the team who are hurt, who are not playing well, and you're going to take it out on the coach. I think that's unfair. Honestly, if, if I'm the Grizzlies and if I'm the GM, I will be looking to find ways to improve this team and I think the way to improve this team, and believe it or not, you may not like me saying this, I believe to fix this team, you need to see what value you can get out of Marcus Gasol. I don't think he, mm-hmm. yeah, he can step it out. That's all good. But I would want to see what value I get from him. Maybe right now, because I'm not happy with him, I'm saying that. But um, I just think this team is, it's a, it's a boring team. I don't think this team is going to get the success that they think they would have had. And this is a team that, you know, are talking about uh, re- retiring Green's jersey and and Zach Randolph. And, like, this is a team who's trying to find an identity, and they don't have an identity. So they need to find a player who they can identi- that you can identify to the Memphis Grizzlies. Sort of kind of, sort of what LeBron has done in Cleveland. Sort of what Kyrie is trying to do in Boston. Curry, Durant and Golden State. Right now, when you look at Memphis, it just looks like a faceless team. Hmm. Uh, I'm not surprised you mentioned trading Marcus Hall. I, I saw that being where the conversation was going to go. Um, that would be the best way to retool and, and revamp the team, trading somebody like that, maybe trading for some younger pieces or even some draft picks. Um, I think if you do that, you also got to trade Mike Conley, personally. But he nope. is going to be a lot harder to contract. trade. Yeah, he's going to be a lot harder to trade. Um, but at that to, to me, if you're going to trade one, you have to trade both. That's my point of view on it. But also, too, the other thing is, it's easy to say, yeah, you're not going anywhere, trade these guys, start over. But... We've said this before on this pod. Like, there are so many teams that thought like that, and here we are. You're six. You're seven. You're eight. You're nine. Still waiting to get back into relevance. Still waiting to become a playoff team. Still waiting for that superstar that's going to carry them to over to that to that level that they were once at. I mean, 
Orlando's another one. You know, Orlando had a nice start, but you know they're proving to be who they were, who they're supposed to be yet again this year. Even with all of Aaron Gordon's improvements, they look a little more promising. Jonathan Isaac looks like something. Aaron Gordon looks like something, but they're still the Magic. Look at, you know, Sacramento. Yeah, they're still the Magic. Yeah. Sacramento, again, they got some young. They got some young players now. We'll see what's gonna happen, but they've been they've been playing like one of the worst teams in the league. Even after they traded Boogie Cousins, they so what, they're not even any closer. Minnesota still, you know, they're probably gonna make the playoffs this year. But how many years after they traded Kevin Garnett is that? Yeah, but let me ask you. So what do you think you need to do in order for Memphis to get better? Well, first of all, they got to get healthy. They're in, a, they're in a position where they're leveraged, and they need the guys that they have to play the best that they can. That's what, that, is what, that is where their success is, is tied up. They're, once they signed Conley to that contract, their success was tied into Conley. And that's going to mean that they're going to be, you know, kind of median as a team. They're going to be right where they've been the last couple years. They might be a little lower depending on the supporting cast. I do think, though, that um, they did get younger because they moved on from Zebo. They moved on from Vince Carter. They brought in some younger players in, in replace, replacement of them. Um the the bigger issue is that Chandler Parsons contract that's just that's just a noose around their neck um is it's just you know it's just like a millstone that's just dragging them down like an anchor and it's to the point like they're they're happy that they're at least getting 15 minutes a game from him right now that's how messed up he's been with injuries um if so if Mike Conley comes back Marcus Gasol's there. I mean, now I don't know what their plan is moving forward because they got rid of the coach who was executing this new playing style. Because last year they were moving into this newer player style, playing style with the same players they had. So Marcus Gasol, Conley, even Zach Randolph, they were all taking more threes. Vince Carter was a pretty good three point shooter for them. So they turned into this more modern offense. They moved on from some of the veterans. So now they gotta now they have to wait and see if these young guys can fill that role of the supporting cast. They're still waiting for Jermichael Green because he's been hurt. So they need guys like that to to really step up, and they gotta develop these guys. They're not they haven't really been developing those late first round, second round draft picks they've been picking up, which is a bigger problem. Which is also to say, like if you trade Conley and Gosol now, when you look when you look at their development staff. There's no guarantee whatever blue chip prospect they draft is going to develop the way they're supposed to. I mean, this is the same team that took Hashim to beat, not, you know, several years ago, thinking that he was the guy, and he just was not it. And this is this is a uh, they make some bad choices with the draft. It's be- it's bearing out now at this point, but I don't think. I don't think necessarily if you're Memphis, you can just hit the reset button and trade Marcus Gasol. It's got to be a great deal, as in my opinion. Yeah, it has to be a great deal, but I think what you're emphasizing right now, that the problem with this team was by far not David Fisdale. No, it's the front team. office. And so he took he went he took the brunt of it. They fired him the same way they fired all their coaches. And then here you have a Memphis Grizzlies team again who is going to be buried in me- mediocrity. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's the Grizzlies. I mean, they're not the only team in the West who are having issues right now. No, they're not. I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> definitely not. They're, I mean, we're going to talk about that later. Um, but one team in particular we're going to move down to because he, he, their team is also part of the big news is – the L.A. Clippers, and that's because Blake Griffin is out once again now. Sprained MCL, he's going to be out, they said, around two months. And this happening to a Clipper team that was already on a downward spiral. And I think it's, I think that kind of just seals it for them this season, right? That, that just kind of put the, the final nail in the coffin on their season. 
Yeah, I think so. There's a team that's already suffered with a lot of injuries. You had Gallinari injured. Beverly you was injured. From Beverly. Yeah. Teodosic so, is also injured. Yeah. So you got a team who's going through injuries. Now there's Blake injury, which was critical because Blake was playing the role of facilitator also. You started seeing right. him handle the ball more. Good assist numbers. Good rebounding numbers. Scoring a lot of points. And now you're in a position where you're just trying to find where your offense is coming from, who's facilitating. You saw Lou Williams trying to do a lot, Austin Rivers. I mean, this is a team right now that you kind of almost have to – you don't want to say click the reset button, but they need to do something. You've already heard some rumors so far with um, DeAndre Jordan being you know, dangled around for teams to think about picking him up. Not a bad idea. Um, but yeah, this is a team who who needs help, and this is a team that needed help for a while, and this just shows how much they 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 lack depth that they thought that they kept talking about before the, of getting depth, and now you have to look again, look at Doc Rivers and say, I mean, granted he's not in the front office anymore, but you know how far back did he set this this team? Yeah, and I, I think he has to be on the hot seat now, don't you think? Because, yeah, you could blame the injuries, but even before Blake went down, this team just was not looking very good at all. No, they're not looking good. They're Yeah, not at all. I mean, they're not looking good. And, I mean, I just got to say it, like, why is Austin Rivers still playing so much for this team? Like if, like, how is this not just like overt like nepotism at this point? It is, but at the same time, if you look at what Austin Rivers is doing, he's, I mean, he's playing mm-hmm. decently. I'm not saying that is because he's a decent player. Maybe that's more so because of all the minutes he's getting. All the minutes he's getting, but, all the shots he's getting. He he's third in shot attempts on this team. He's taking thirteen shots a game to average thirteen points. Shooting thirty eight percent from the field. Playing thirty three minutes. Right. You that's just not that is not the type of player you give that amount of playing time to. It's just not. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give him that much time. Not at all. I think that's way too much. Way too much. But like you said, nepotism. That I think that's what's playing, like playing to, a role here. To, to me, that alone should put Doc Rivers on the hot seat. Not Not only that, not only the fact that you keep finding all you keep thrusting all this responsibility on your on your son and giving him this like advanced role on the team but then also the self-sabotaging of this team that you haven't one signed better shooting guard options so to make sure that he doesn't get this much time and also you still insisting he's the best player to get this time, even when, you know, he's not really producing because of he because he's being effective. He whatever number he's getting is just the sh- through sheer volume of attempts and and minutes he's on the court. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's what's going to be his downfall later on possibly this season they're gonna look at him and say you're giving him all these minutes and he's not that good of a player and you you're right austin rivers should be in china he should be in china or the g league and he's he's getting 34 minutes a game i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far i wouldn't say g league there's, i wouldn't say there's china. guys in china that are better than austin rivers oh yeah and i and i strongly believe that I think Austin Rivers is a player who needed a chance to develop, and I think he has a chance to be a solid bench player, a solid contributor off the bench. But the minutes he's getting right now, the way he's being 
used as a focal point of their offense is a bit much. And granted, I know Doc has that inner Lavar in him, and feeling his son <laughs> is a is a ball a bowler, and can go out there and still play. And you know maybe he could do okay, but he's proved it already. He's shown already that he's not capable of being that elite player, that 35-minute-a-game player. And right now, you're just putting him out there is damaging your team. It so, is. It hey. is. So, but right now, if you look at the team, the team does need help. The team needs a change. And so if that means trading DeAndre, if that means seeing what you get with Gallinari, or if you just say, hey, let's see if we can keep this thing afloat, Hey, maybe maybe that'll work, but I still say this is an opportunity for you to get your team younger. There's some opportunities there for you to do that. I think they should explore it. Whether it's mm-hmm. taking DeAndre and trading him and getting some pieces for him, I mean, I know you're not a complete fan of that. Probably not. Well, the thing with DeAndre is he he can opt out this upcoming off season. So right. teams are trading for a rental. So you're not even going to get max value for DeAndre Jordan at this point. If you want to no. trade him, that's fine because I'm not really that big of a DeAndre Jordan fan. Anyway, he's not to me he's not a a, a linchpin of a pivotal player on this team. I mean, Blake Griffin is is the guy, but they've but they've they've leveraged this team because all all the money they put into Blake all the money they put into Gallinari, and then if they keep DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan has the option to opt out and then leave them in a position where they're going to have to offer him money because they don't have another center or let him walk for nothing. And there's also the, there's also the, the idea that DeAndre Jordan or his agent could you know read the tea leaves and see that teams are not going to want to pay $23, $24 million a year for a center that all he can do is rebound and dunk and might just opt in and take that $23, 24000000 million play option he has. So for any team, it's an opportunity for them to take that chance. And I do believe that there are teams out there who will want his services. Maybe, but like who? Like, what's, what's the team you think, yes, this team can use DeAndre Jordan right now? Teams that would take him, Cleveland. Okay, yeah, well, there's the Cleveland. And then that's not even a great trade for Clippers because it's Tristan Thompson for DeAndre Jordan. How does that really improve your lot in life if you're the Clippers? Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't go after Tristan Thompson because I don't want all that money. As a matter of fact, how How I think it's very likely that trade is generated based on the premise that Tristan Thompson's girlfriend is Khloe Kardashian, and they would love for him to be in L.A. because then she wouldn't have to spend a second more in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. Pretty much. And then he can get he can go and see his baby over in L.A. Right. I get it. Yeah. It makes sense in that case. But I don't like it. You know, I, but I still can see a trade like that working out. It's it's a like-for-like trade, though. Not really with Tristan Thompson, but... DeAndre going over there. I mean, granted, some money has to leave Cleveland. What else could? That's a lot of money. What else could Cleveland offer? The only thing they could offer is like Tristan Thompson, because I don't think they'll trade Kevin Love for DeAndre Jordan. Nah, so it'll have to be Tristan Thompson. So I guess they'll get him, and they'll say, "Fine, we'll take Tristan Thompson." But guess what? We want that pick. That Brooklyn pick. That pick. Could they get that Brooklyn pick? Man. That Brooklyn pick has been the biggest IOU of the NBA for like the last five years, man. But then that's the. But then if you're Cleveland, are you really trading that pick for DeAndre Jordan? If LeBron says so, yeah. Right. If LeBron says so, and then you know, then that goes into the whole thing about Cleveland and LeBron, how he basically has them hostage and has mercy because he can leave. Uh, I LeBron, that's, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. That whole thing is very yeah, frustrating. I can also see him in. I can also see DeAndre in Boston. In Boston, Bonnegar, Al Horford does not want to play center. Okay, so then who would Boston send to the Clippers for DeAndre Jordan? I probably send Morris. 
what else they got over there. They probably got a pick they could send over there. You man, you're just like drawing up the most depressing trade options for the Clippers. You you, you, you like you already said. What are they expecting to get? You're not gonna get anything great. You're not getting anything amazing. You're just gonna get these marginal trades that you're gonna get for some picks and some other players just to match up the salaries. Yeah. That's all you're really getting at this time. But then at the same time, you have to ask yourself, do you blow it up? I mean, you still have Blake. You just signed Blake again. Yeah, but blow it up how? Like There's most most really of the to... guys most of the guys that you would want to move on from. You can't you can't even trade until after December because you just got them like you just got like seven eight players this year. So maybe it's not a matter of the team being blown up because the team already is kind of in shambles. So there's not much to blow blow up. And, and on paper, this is a team that once they get healthy and you add a few pieces, yeah. they're they'll be competitive again. But, I think so. You know, what I think this is this is this is this is when you do a soft tank. You do. You do you do a tank just because you can't do anything else at the time. So you let Bleak take all the time he needs to get back. You move on from Doc. You know Beverly Gallinari, all these guys. Without Blake, they're not winning. They're not really winning games. So you let them play out the string. They bottom out. They're like have like a bottom ten record just because of the construction of that roster. Then you get a blue chipper in the draft, and then you put that blue chipper with Blake and Gallinari, and and then you start and you reload for next year. There you go. So so it's not a so you're so there you go. So it's not a matter of tanking. It's just a matter of give it give it an opportunity for the team to actually see what they have, mm-hmm. and yeah, just lower your expectations. Granted, we didn't. I didn't think the Clippers were gonna be all that good anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing now, we said was gonna happen happened. We were we're wary of Blake staying healthy, of Gallinari staying healthy, and that's been what's happening. And even other guys like Beverly, he got hurt. We 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 didn't even talk about him getting hurt, but he got hurt. Teodosic, Teodosic only got to play two games, so you know this the injury bug bit them. But it wasn't really hard to see that happening. Like we we expected this. And and now once again that's another knee injury to Blake Griffin. Right. On that same leg, he's gotten a bunch of injuries. I mean, the the Clipper front office, they have to have buyer's remorse right now. And I love Blake. I think he's an amazing talent. But they they have to have buyer's remorse on that contract now. They probably do. They're probably looking and saying that they wish they held off a little bit. But his injury wasn't an injury that he could have avoided. No. It was one of those, it was an injury that, you know, it wasn't him punching somebody. <laughs> it wasn't him, you know, breakaway dunk. It, this is an injury of him just going for the loose ball and someone rolling on his leg. I know, but it's one of those things that it's a bang-bang play and there's guys that, like, somebody, like, falls on them and they get right up or, you know, they somebody falls on their leg and they, they wince their little ginger on it, but then they get up and they're good to go. And there's other guys, the same play happens and they're out for three months. And Blake is that guy. He's always been that guy. From the first season of his NBA career, he's been that guy. He landed off a dunk or rebound and fractured his kneecap. I know. My fantasy team remembers that greatly. So, <laughs> you know, it. this has been his story for his whole career. And he's 28 now. And to me, like, this is like a much more talented version of the story of Sam Bowie. He, year after year, it's like... You know the talent's there. You know he can be a very good player. But injury after injury, he's already changed his game considerably because of these injuries. He's still getting hurt. I don't see him aging well. I really don't. He he probably won't. Um, I mean, he's had he's had some bad breaks. You know, he did go through a stretch where he played most games. He, like he went through like a a four game a four year stretch 
where he played pretty much every game. And mm-hmm. then the injury bug has really bit him the last four years. But, I mean, is it – are we going to say that's it for Blake? I, I don't think so. But like you said, there could be some buyer's remorse there, the fact that they signed them for another contract. We still have to just wait and see. Um, he's definitely enhanced his game. He's gotten better. And if he can just stay healthy, you know, we look forward to seeing what he can do. I'm still a Blake guy, so I'm not going to Yeah, I know jump you're off. a Blake guy. I'm a Blake guy. I, I like Blake. I, I like um, his so, talent, but, you know, to be honest, a spade is a spade, man. If you get hurt, you get hurt. I, I, it's... It's not it's a knock. On, it's not a knock on him. It's just a reality, and he he's doing really good for them. But you look at this contract. Just I mean, let me tell you the numbers on his contract. So this year he's making twenty nine point five million. Next year thirty one million. The year after that thirty four million. Twenty twenty one he's making thirty six point five million, and then in twenty one twenty two he has a player app player option to make thirty eight million. Thirty-eight point nine million, almost thirty-nine million dollars. Given his track record, given his injury history, I'm gonna say it's a slam dunk. He's gonna exercise that player option in 2021-2022. And then at that point, he's 28 now, so 29, 30, 31, 32. At when he's 32, he's gonna be cashing in a thirty-nine million dollar salary. Wow. Not too shabby. Yeah, they're gonna regret that. It, yes, that and that's what I was saying. Actually, it's gonna be his thirty-two going into thirty-three season because he's gonna turn twenty-nine in a few months. So, and that's what I was saying. But we we knew that I was gonna be buyer's remorse the moment they signed it. When Chris Paul left, that was a that was the moment right there to make a clean break. That was the moment to make a clean break. All right, Chris Paul's leaving. Blake, thank you for your services. See what you can get elsewhere. And figure out what you do with DeAndre Jordan. You could have even traded him in the summer, and a team would have had this full this full year. And then if he wanted to opt in, he opts in. If he leaves, he leaves. But they would have at least had him for this full season. And you could have reloaded very quickly that way. But they didn't do that. They doubled down by signing another very injury-played guy in Danilo Gallinari. And you can't be surprised at what's happened. You really can't. Yeah. So they should they, they're gonna need to make some moves, but this is looking this is looking like we were talking about how the Grizzlies are just kind of stuck. This is a this is a a much worse situation of being stuck, if you ask me. You got all this money in Gallinari, you got all this money in Blake, and they're at, and they're both at this age where they're at twenty eight, twenty nine. So you don't want to, you can't really give up on them, but you can never really count on them to be healthy a full season either. And you really can't leverage your salary cap in a way to get insurance on these guys because they make so much money and they make such a large chunk of your salary cap as it is. That is true. So, we'll see. That's all we have to say about that. We just got to see. Yeah, we'll see. But their their season is not going anywhere. So, Uh, spiraling now for them. Uh, Someone who kind of, you know, quote unquote, spiraled out of control was LeBron James the other night. Got his first ejection. Got his first ejection. And. You wanted to talk about this leaf, so I'm I'm gonna give you the stage. I'm just give you the platform, and and you and you take this away. You know what? I would take it away, but when we spoke about this earlier, I didn't get your take on it, and and I didn't want to talk about it because I was curious what you have to say. Now we all know that you are you're not a, the biggest LeBron fan, and so I need to know your thoughts on this before I tell you my thoughts. Honestly, to me, it's not that big of a deal. Players get kicked out sometimes. Uh, That's it. Like, okay. I mean, to me, to me, maybe this. The only thing this says to me is, you know, 
maybe some of the shine has rubbed off on Le- off of LeBron. Maybe he's not this as maybe he's not as untouchable as he once was because he did he's honestly he's done things to get kicked out of games before. He's done things to foul out of games. He's got he should have been teed up when he wasn't. He does things like this all the time and he gets away with it. Maybe now he's getting a little long in the tooth. I mean, he's still amazing, but you know, 32 is 32, 33 is 33. It is what it is. Maybe it's at a point where the league is just like, hey, the shine is wearing off. And they're not going to protect them anymore. I don't know. I I am actually happy he got ejected. Okay. And I like LeBron. And well, Why are you I happy he got ejected? Because I think this is something that was a long time coming because LeBron is always beefing with the ref. And and it's not just him. It's, it, and it's not just him. It's it's this mentality of every play that a foul doesn't get called on you or, you know, a foul gets called on you, you go barking to the ref, you're running in their face. And, and I'm pretty sure LeBron has some things to say. You know, I'm pretty sure LeBron didn't go and say, hey, man, that was a foul. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he has some choice words. And so the ref was like, I'm tired of this, you know, and I'm glad he made a statement and he did that. Yeah, I think that's what what he needed, and what happened the very next thing was the next night Anthony Davis got kicked out. <laughs> it's an epidemic now. Yes, ref, stand up for yourselves. You know, at this point, you got these guys coming and saying and talking in your ear and and saying whatever they want out of their mouth towards you. At some point, that's it. You know, pop pop got ejected this week too, or was that last week? I think it was this week. You know, and you saw the words he was using at the ref. Yep, get kicked out. So, I mean, the refs, there, there's no favoritism. We know Pop, Pop's a great coach. Nope, you can get kicked out too. LeBron, you're probably the best player in the world right now. Guess what? You're getting kicked out. Anthony Davis, yeah. world of a talent. Okay, you too. That's it. You know, stop stop this bickering. It's, it's getting annoying. I, I you, agree. And he, the foul wasn't called. The play went the other way. He's complaining. And while he's complaining, the play is still continuing down the court. So you put your team in a bad position. Granted, y'all were up by a bunch. Right. <laughs> and granted, you had a remarkable stat line, which, you know, after <laughs> after three quarters, most people wish they had that kind of stat line. But still, like, come on now. So, yeah. Yeah. Good- I'm happy you got ejected. I'm not, let me actually rephrase that. I'm not happy you got ejected, but I'm happy that the ref stood up for himself. Yeah, I agree. Refs should stand up for themselves, and that's what I was kind of saying. Like, just because he's LeBron James doesn't mean he shouldn't. He should never get ejected. Sometimes you were. You, sometimes you deserve it. I think he was shocked. Of course, because it's like this has never happened to him. When an entitled person get stood up to they're shocked right you and know this what to do. is and this that's basically what happened with lebron is because you know when guys like lebron and some of these other players when they speak to the ref and when you know if they get a t or what if something goes go their way it's, it's almost like that it's almost like that um that mindset of don't you know who i am and i i think lebron's the most guilty of that out of any player in the league and he deserved to get ejected. Maybe maybe he didn't do something as bad as he's done in other times. Or maybe he hasn't done... Maybe what he did wasn't as bad as other stuff that's been allowed to be said to the refs. But the bottom line is, you're, you're a habitual, you know, line stepper. <laughs> to quote Charlie Murphy. Yeah. And he's yeah. a habitual line stepper. And it, it caught up to him. And it's about time. It's about time. So I'm all for it. That's why, hey, ref, good job for you, man. It's enough's enough. Yeah. So enough is enough. And talking about LeBron focuses us 
focuses our attention back back towards the east and um this has come up um this was brought to my attention this week um the ringer.com had a web had an article about the eastern conference um some of my friends have been talking about the eastern conference notably my friends that have teams they root for in the eastern conference and there is this groundswell um of support to this idea that the Eastern Conference has now become better than the Western Conference. What are your thoughts on that, Leif? Let's stop that. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I can't. I can't even go there. Nah. Okay. It has not. Well, I give the East this. I will give the East this. The East does have the greater alignment of interesting young prospects or and players right now. There are more interesting young players in the East than in the West. I will give them that. There's more excitement. There's more younger players. And I think that there's greater... You can look at a game on the East, and from the first team to the last team, you can say, "Okay, this is this isn't going to be an overwhelming loss. It's a it's a closer battle." Um, but at the same time, the West is so top loaded, and I think that is what's really going to set them apart from the East. Now, granted, OKC is not performing well. Mm-hmm. If they were performing well. You know, you were granted. You will see OKC at the top or near the top. You will see, of course, um, Houston. Of course, you're gonna go and you're gonna see um, the Golden Golden State up there. And if Kawhi was here, you'll see San Antonio. So those teams, four teams, probably can beat anyone in the East easily. Right. Well, hypothetically. Hypothetically, so, you still gotta play the games. Right. So. I can't. I can't go as far as saying that the East is better. I just think that the East is better than we've given them credit for. Oh yeah. And we are starting to see some players, some names really emerge. We're seeing Detroit's playing very well, and that was a pleasant surprise to see. Boston's is playing great. Um, Cleveland's starting to pick it up. New York is showing some heart. Sixers are doing okay, doing well. You're starting to see these teams come up and play well, and they're actually matching up okay with the West, but I'm not going to say that the East is better than the West. That, that That's too much of a statement. Yeah. I think what's helping the East case right now is there are a couple of teams in the West that are underperforming, like OKC, as you mentioned. I mean, no one expected OKC to be 8-12. and 12. And quite frankly, I don't think they're a team that has played to be a eight and twelve team. They they've let they've lost some games they shouldn't have lost, but when when you look at that talent level, and when you look at the way they play on defense, you wouldn't expect a team with that much talent with that's that good on defense to be eight and twelve. They've had a lot of hiccups with the offense. They're still learning how to play with each other. Those three guys, they're still trying to figure out the balance. And I think these close games they're losing now, as the season wears on, they're going to win them. And, they, you know, when you have stars, the stars are going to rise to the occasion sooner or later. So I don't think with all that star, star, star power and with as great a defense as, as they have right now, they're going to continue on this skid. They're going to figure it out. Memphis, right. you know, they've had the injuries like we mentioned. They, they lost more games than we expected. Clippers, the same thing. They lost more games than we expected. So all those teams are underperforming right now, and that was not expected. But to your point, like like Boston, Boston's legit. You know, they look like they're a really good team. They could probably beat a lot of the Western Conference teams in a seven-game series. Um, I, I don't know if I want to trust Detroit for that yet at this point, if we're being honest. Cleveland, of course, you always gotta you always gotta factor them in, but the way they looked against Golden State last year, you wouldn't really expect them to give them a hard fight again this year. 
And then the way Houston's playing, maybe they, they wouldn't give Houston much of a fight either. We don't know. Um, there, There's also this idea, like I was saying, the younger players in the East is very exciting. So you got Porzingis, you have Giannis. Um, who else am I thinking about? You got Simmons and Embiid in Philadelphia. Lots of young, exciting players. You got the, the Boston guys. Very nice and exciting. So that's true but when you look at the west that has been the case for several years and some of these teams just haven't figured out how to how to maximize those players potential like the kings had boogie cousins now he's on the pelicans the pelicans have anthony davis and now they've had boogie cousins as well and they still really haven't figured it out so utah they had gordon hayward he left minnesota they're just now Figuring out how to win, even though they had Towns, even though they had Wiggins, these young promising players, and they had to bring in a vet, veteran all star like Jimmy Butler to really put it together. So these teams in the East, they're still gonna have to figure that out. Giannis is the Bucks still have to figure out how to put a, a real team around Giannis so that they can be a title contender. The same thing with the Knicks. Same thing with the Sixers. They gotta build that roster out. J.J. Reddick's only signed for one year. They got to figure out what they're doing next year in that shooting guard spot at those other positions. At, so they got to figure out if Markel Fultz is going to bounce back. You know, So all of these teams are going to have to learn to build around these these stars the same way these teams in the West have been trying to do and how some have succeeded and some have failed. So just because you have the promising players now does not mean you're automatically slated to be the better team or the better conference for years to come. Right, and that's where I feel like the East is finally doing what I said that they should have did all along, and that is to, to build teams. For years what was happening was these teams on the East were just taking players and just putting players on the team. Mm-hmm. and just putting names on there and while the players were good they didn't mesh well and that is what really was damaging the the east but now we're starting to see we started seeing on the west western conference that these teams are picking up these players they're building these super teams and in some cases they're not all meshing well that you know okc is an example it's not coming together yet Whereas you have a team who's taking more of, I want to use Toronto as an example, a team that has kept it together, that's team to the band together for a while. They know each other. You develop other players. And now the same thing when you look at Detroit, the same thing when you look at Boston. Yeah, they got some new players on that team, but the concept has been pretty much the same. Um, that's when you're starting to see these teams get better and they're playing with heart. You know, teams that are surprising, like the Knicks are surprising. Yeah. Um, Pacers. Pacers. You know, Olin Depot is playing out of his mind. Right. And his Cantor is saying all the right things with Przingis doing his thing. I mean, all these are things that you're seeing in the Eastern Conference. I can't say right now the Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference. But what I can say is that the outlook is brighter for the Eastern Conference. Definitely. The, the outlook is brighter. I mean, some of the teams that we're talking about, these these aren't these aren't necessarily the teams with the promising, you know, superstar unicorns that we're talking about. Like, the Pacers, they just kind of built a team, like you were saying. They just built a team. Detroit, I mean, they just kind of been putting this team together, and they they've had a couple of players finally make that jump, like Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond is finally, it seems like he's finally starting to get what Stan Van Gundy's been trying to ingrain in him. He's, you know, not just becoming a a better free throw shooter, but putting more focus on the defensive end, becoming a playmaker, not trying to be a back-to-the-basket scorer, really. Um, All those things are seeming to, you know, really help them. Um, But again, we're, we're only at the end of November, beginning of December, I know the season started earlier, so we we are a bit longer into the season, but we're still not even halfway through. There's still a lot of games left. 
I don't think the East is going to continue looking the way it does right now, standings-wise, record-wise. And I don't think the West is going to keep going the way it is. I expect OKC to to go on a run, to get it together. They're going to be looking more like a a top five, top six team in the West. You know, maybe not top four because they kind of dug a hole, but they're going to be up there. And you got teams that are still really good. Um, the Spurs, the Spurs of fourteen and seven, they don't even have Kawhi yet. Imagine how they're gonna look once they get Kawhi. Aldridge has looked great without him, but when, but you know he's their main guy. Warriors, Warriors are kind of just playing the season out. They're just waiting for the playoffs. That's how it looks to me. Um, Houston looks legit. Portland, Portland has one of the best defenses this year. They're another team that that seems like they're making a jump. That Nurkic pickup seems to be like really the piece they needed to to hit another level and they're doing that so i don't want to just automatically say that you know these western teams don't have it and the east teams do i think there's a lot of teams in the east that still need to prove themselves and they look exciting now but we still got to get to april and may and see what these teams do exactly well put well said so that's good so that was a good chat We'll see how it goes, but I I am excited for the the East. I am excited for a lot of these teams. Uh, it's very it's very fun to see a team like the Pacers come out of nowhere. The Knicks look exciting, and the Sixers as well. They really look like a they're on a team that that's po- They look like a team that's poised to do some great things, but you know, it's okay to wait and see if it happens first, and not just assume. Right. All right. So. That is all of the news we had to talk about this evening. So at this point, I got to turn it back over to Lave so he can give us his dude and dud of the week. All right. So we've already spoken about some of these guys already. So oh, okay. I'm going to start off with the dud. Let's do the, the dud. dud of the, week. the dud of the week to me goes to Marcus All. Ooh. This was, I know, I know. They're like, okay, did he really have a say in firing the firing of David Fisdale? Everyone says no, he had nothing to do with it. He, it, it. It was out of his hand. He did not. He found out when everyone else found out. But you know what? I do think he had a role to play in it. Mm. And I and the fact that he got fired, I'm against it. And I have to look at one of the reasons, and I think it's him. And he he says a lot of things. You know, he says, I'm the best player and all this other stuff. But I did a little research. And in the research that I've looked up, he has some of the worst plus minuses of the team during their losing streak. So it's not like when you were on the floor, the team was better. Hmm. They actually played pretty poorly when you were on on the court. So... I'm not saying that you're partly to blame, but it's not like the team instantly got better when you were on the court. So I have to point my finger to you as the dud of the week for this week. I don't want to. I still think maybe on in a few weeks you can be a dude of the week, maybe, possibly. But it's highly unlikely. So, Marcus Gasol, you are the dud of the week. I want to ask you about So do you think that he actively has something to do with Fizdale getting fired, or do you think his comments or speaking out like he did after the Nets game was more than enough for ownership to to make the call on firing Fizdale? I believe those comments that he made wasn't the first time he made such comments. It was the first time he said it to the media, but I'm pretty sure he's mentioned it to management before. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. It was just the fact that he said it in frustration because he was benched in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Which he doesn't normally do. He doesn't usually speak out like that. Right. So he said something. It's no coincidence he says something, and then a short while later, the guy's fired. Yeah. So. Too much of a coincidence. Right. All right. So give us your dude of the week. Oh, man. My dude of the week. I kind of teased it earlier on on Twitter. (laughs) Dude of the week goes to Kane Fitzgerald. The ref who ejected LeBron James. I think he stood up for all refs. I think he gave courage to the ref who 
ejected Anthony Davis, and I believe he's like he's had enough of being verbally abused. He's tired of hearing all of this trash talking, and he spoke up. He ejected LeBron. LeBron looked shocked. The team looked shocked. The fans looked shocked. And for that night and for that night only, I think Ennis Cantor might have had it right when he said that he is the king of Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> so, King Fitzgerald, I think you're probably never, ever, 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 ever going to be due to the week again. And I think that this is probably the last time I'm going to mention your name. But I definitely think we have to give you some credit. So, King Fitzgerald, rise up. You are the dude of the week. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. I remember on Instagram, Bleach Report, they had this... uh, they had this photoshopped image of like Fitzgerald like dunking on LeBron. It was hilarious. I remember somebody sent it to me on my group chat, and my reply was, "Not all heroes wear capes." Well said. <laughs> so shout out to Fitzgerald. Also, shout out to Ennis Cantor. Still holding that grudge like three weeks later with the with the snipes on Twitter. You gotta like that guy. I I, I mean know. I do I mean. Ennis Cantor's not going to be scared of LeBron. Like, Ennis Cantor got exiled from his country for speaking up about <laughs> civil rights there. Like, so this he is got nothing. Out for, of a country. You're this, not worried about a quote unquote king. Yeah, this is nothing for Cantor. Like, he he literally got like told by the like political leader from from his home country, like, don't come back. We don't want to see your face here. So, he's not scared of you know going back and forth with LeBron. <laughs> so that's that's awesome. So I love it. I love it. He's uh he's like the no joke the new joke of Noah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's just like that new Yeah I miss Joe Noah. Where is he? he's still suspended, is he? Yeah, he's he's <laughs> yeah. But Ennis Cantor is uh, taking up uh, his mantle in his stead as uh, the guy who talks back, talks trash back to LeBron the most. Exactly. And he's uh, backing it up with numbers. Yes, so he's backing it up with numbers. He's he's playing really good for the Knicks. The Knicks, you know, surprising a lot of people. I mean, Cantor is good. He's, he was a good player in, in OKC. I mean, people knocked him for his defense, but the fact of the matter is, Duke can rebound, Duke can score. And he's doing the same thing for the Knicks. And you need guys like that. And he's playing well. Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing well. They got something going on in New York. So hopefully they'll keep it going and they'll make the playoffs. That would be something. And we'll see what goes on from there. But thank you, Leif, for talking with me this evening, like always. Always. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, all those options. Um, you know, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast. At Twitter, um, at Pace and Space Pod. You can find us there and um, give us a listen. Give us any questions you want to you wanna have us uh, go over on the pod. You can do anything like that. Um, and as always, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Leif, want to say anything to the people? As always, thanks for listening. And y'all have a good night. And as always, stay woke and stay mellow. <laughs> <laughs>